0: Creative
1: Babble. John, we're five episodes into this thing. And we still haven't heard from these guys. We we don't know what Constable Wallace sounds like. We don't know what Constable Baldock sounds like. We
2: heard from witnesses and individuals who have had interactions with Constables Wallace and Baldock when they were arrested, when they were pulled over. So we've got those accounts, but now we got a tape of Constables Wallace and Baldock actually
1: doing an arrest of an individual.
2: Right,
3: hey, i getting ready for you resisting. I'm, buddy, I'm, I'm not, we're not. Yeah, John, this
1: tape really paints a picture of their character. I talked to defense attorney Greg Gooseley about this, and he told me that the gentleman who was being arrested that day looks very intimidating.
3: When I met with this guy, you know, he looked like something out of Cape Fear. and You would not want to fuck with. If I was a military policeman or a law enforcement officer walking up on this guy, I'd give him respect. He shows up at my office. And he has a tape where him and a guy and there's a girl in the and they are in this like SUV. They pull up at where Wally hangs out at the Circle K gas station. No hey, come no get I'm getting recharged. You resisting. buddy. I'm, I'm not. we you back. Okay. The passenger sorry, has man. his phone out. Huh? I'm, I'm. Has it recording? And all of a sudden. You hear this asleep. guy walk up you and say, I, 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 I got promise. a gun right on you.
1: Just, just stand still. Okay,
3: sorry. You do anything stupid, I'll I, 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 right? I, I promise, buddy. All you right. ain't got to worry about that with me, I promise. Well, you. yeah, I mean, you're acting crazy with me. <laughs> no, I promise yeah. you. Yeah? I'm sorry. I mean, it's just kind of scary. I don't know what's going on, you well, know? Well, uh, now, uh, you want to tell me your last name? And you, and you hear the phone drop. Well, guess what? The phone drops down in between the seat and the console, and it's recording. You got a warrant for you. You know about it. What for? I'm sure. I, re- I really have no idea, but also, mm-hmm. come to find out, they—they really they, they, uh, Baldock is there. Baldock walks up, and apparently they've ran, and someone in that car has a warrant, and indeed the guy does indeed have a warrant you can hear the fear in his voice you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna worry about me acting crazy i promise you man huh? you ain't gonna worry about me but i promise you well, i'm just you. gonna tell you i promise you you do one thing crazy i swear to you and i'm gonna i'm gonna light you up okay i, I promise you yeah you, huh? you ain't gotta worry about me man i promise well, I'm, I I'm warning you i got you you've been you've been tased no okay now what we're gonna do we're gonna walk back here to my car sure and you do anything crazy. I, and, I, I promise gonna, you. You ain't gonna worry about me, I promise you. All right. I'm telling you up for it. He walked up and put the taser right on him. But you could hear he was scared to death. This guy tells him two or three times, Everything's good, I'm not gonna do anything. Balduck says, you know, I'm not joking. I, I'm gonna I'll use this. Don't you do anything. I mean, because I mean, this guy could whipped Wally and Paul Doc no problem. But on that tape, on that tape, you can hear Wally come over. Well, I see
0: her jump her at her.
3: And then you can hear him take charge. Hey,
0: honey, let me ask you a question before you get in trouble. If there's any dope in here? Now's the time to tell it, and you'll get to go home. If I find anything, do you lie to me? I don't know about David. I know they went and got it tonight. We've been waiting on them all night long.
3: They find a female who's like in the back of this SUV, curled up, and they get her out. And they take the big guy with all the tattoos and everything, put him in the back of the car. Then they start searching.
0: Here's their peels. Huh? Here's a bunch of their peels. I don't know what they are. You have called poison control here. Here's my.
3: Hey, here we go, what's this? I
0: don't know what the fuck that is. Here's scales, baggies.
3: I got it all up here too. The guy tells me, I, I forget how much money he said he had.
2: Something in that box with a
0: lock on it
3: he also said they had nothing in the car oh,
0: yeah. it's here it's in here somewhere well she had the opportunity to give it up so if she didn't that's her baby she'll get her a big promoting contraband so if you've got any
3: dope on you now's the time to tell me on this tape i'm gonna say you didn't Got it. You can hear Wally tell Baldock that they can have whatever they want. As far as the money, they can split it up themselves.
0: Hey, you're
3: arrest,
0: motherfucker. Gary, did you check your guy good? No, I
3: didn't get a chance, man. I was afraid he was going to run off from me. Did try? I had to push it, his damn back. I listened to that and realized that Balduck has no training and he's scared to death. And some a man with a gun that's scared to death is dangerous.
1: Yeah.
2: So one of the ways that Constable Wallace is able to make drug arrests, seize money, seize property, is that he put up a billboard in Somerset that has a phone number on it. It's essentially a tip line where citizens are just encouraged to call in and can give him information so that he can go arrest people.
1: I mean, is this typical local law enforcement?
2: I mean, I think you, you can call in any police department and provide information. However, you have the ability to call in anonymously and- To me, there's just, there's no vetting process. And it would be so easy to abuse this process.
1: Yeah, I actually never even thought about it. You could actually weaponize Constable Wallace and Baldock to get revenge on people, right? All you got to do is you just call that number up.
2: You could you could turn in an ex-girlfriend, you could turn in a business associate, anybody you want. You could just tell them, "Hey, you know, I think he's dealing drugs," or whatever. You don't have to give any information, you don't have to give any information about yourself, and these guys are going to go running out there because to them it's
1: only upside. As long as these people have cash, cars, boats, or whatever, they don't need to have any evidence. They might just end up in jail.
2: This is just so dangerous. And it just so goes against any kind of probable cause, any kind of due process. It's just, people could easily weaponize this, as you said, and just go out and attack somebody and use these constables as a way to destroy their life, even if they've done nothing wrong.
1: Yeah, and there's one shining example of how one of these random tips blew up in their face.
2: Yeah, apparently the FBI had been getting a lot of complaints about the constables, Wallace and Baldock. I think it was that Tim Jones bringing this to their attention that finally allowed them to pursue this. And the FBI thought that they could use this tip line as a way to, I mean, you could say set up the constables, but really just to see how they operate.
1: All right. So now the FBI knows about these constables. So what do they do? How do they figure out the way they're conducting their business?
2: Yeah. So on September 29th of 2019, they have an undercover FBI agent. When you're going to do an undercover operation, you have to vet the person that's going in there. So you are going to pat them down. You know exactly how much money they have on them. You know what they have on them, everything. You keep track of everything going in. So there's no surprises. You know what your agent has. And this would be same if you were using an informant. But here they're using an FBI agent. So they have a law enforcement officer that they're putting into a situation. And then what they're going to do is they're just going to make a phone call into Wally's tip line and tell them that, hey, this guy has drugs and then see what Wally does.
1: And so what happened? They made the call to the tip line. And did uh, Wally take the bait?
2: Yes, Uh, and it, it it was really that easy. They didn't have any trouble getting Wally to respond. And so what they did is they had surveillance all over the place. They had FBI agents in cars, they had aerial surveillance, they had recording equipment, and they're gonna monitor every single thing that Wally does during this interaction.
1: So describe to me the way this operation took place.
2: So after they made the anonymous tip, they had the FBI agent in a car at the Somerset Mall. And then they had everybody set up around them to be able to monitor what was going on. So when Constables Baldock and Wallace get to Somerset Mall, first thing they do is they pull him out of the car and they put him in handcuffs.
1: Did he break the law? Was he under arrest? No. And that's the thing.
2: I mean, I have heard of some very rural jurisdictions. Cops know they're dealing with some dangerous people and they will do this, but You know, unless the laws or the courts have changed on the Fourth Amendment, you just can't arrest. You just can't put somebody in handcuffs for no reason because you're putting them under arrest. And once the handcuffs come on in most jurisdictions, you're considered under arrest, even though some officers, oh, it's for officer safety or whatever. But you're depriving that person of their uh, freedom at that point. So I feel like right now they've already made a significant error here and just taking someone out of a car and putting handcuffs on them. And they have nothing to base that on.
1: And then it gets worse. Constable Wallace circles the car with his canine unit, and he claims that the dog found a hit on the driver's side door. But according to the aerial surveillance conducted by the FBI, the dog just circled the vehicle. He didn't find anything.
2: Here we go again. We've got Wallace here claiming that something happened that didn't. And it just, to me, every single one of these actions is just validation that this guy is just making up things and thinking he can get away with it because nobody's calling him on it.
1: Yeah. So far in this arrest is Constable Wallace's greatest hits, right? He's bringing in all his tropes. But then they call in the sheriff's office to bring in their canine unit. And of course, they couldn't find a hit there either. So, yeah. So one of the tactics that a lot of people have said that,
2: that Michael Wallace does is that he brings in real law enforcement To validate what he's doing or to get them involved. So they would be the ones who testify. They're the ones saying that things went wrong. Yet he's the one collecting the evidence or the the seizures. And so during this interaction, there's a lot of officers coming in from different jurisdictions. And so I think he brought in the canine unit to try to validate what he claims his dog did. So then he could use their dog as justification for whatever he does next. Well, that didn't work because that dog didn't sit. So now he says, oh, I think this guy's uh, drunk. So let's do a field sobriety test, which he has nothing to base this on. I mean, he's just fishing at this point.
1: Obviously, he's an undercover agent. He's completely sober.
2: So now it looks like that. Even though he passed, Wally just keeps on going as if this this anonymous tip is 100 percent accurate and that he says, you know what, let's get in your vehicle. You've got a hotel key. Let's go to your hotel. Let's see what you got there. Let's find the dope. So they go back to the hotel room, which clearly the FBI had this hotel room set up for this. They they were thinking that it was a possibility. Now, I can't think of any scenario Where you would pull somebody over thinking maybe they're drunk, maybe, maybe they have drugs on them that you're, that you're going to go back to their residence or to their room. Like I feel like that is so far fetched, but the FBI knew this was a possibility because of what they'd been told. So they're already preparing for this. So these constables go back with the undercover agent back to his hotel room. And not surprisingly, they don't find any drugs, but the whole time they're searching this hotel room, which is I'm sure completely illegal. They're threatening this guy that he's going to go to prison if he doesn't tell him where the drugs are.
1: So Baldock and Constable Wallace, they don't find anything on this undercover agent. They handcuffed him at the scene. They followed him to his hotel. I mean, this should be over, right?
2: Yeah, you would think so. I mean, not finding anything illegal should have been the end of this, even though this should have ended long ago. But even though, as I noted earlier, that he passed the field sobriety test, they still decide they're going to charge him with public intoxication. Hmm. So they arrest him, take him to jail for public intoxication, even though they have absolutely, in my opinion, no basis for this
1: whatsoever. I mean, this must be a dream for the FBI because he is just doing everything so far that that all these people have complained about. Right.
2: Yeah. The only thing he hasn't done, and who knows if he gave him a couple more scenarios, he might, is that he didn't plant evidence in this scene. Everything else he did. I mean, he just went step by step violating this undercover agent's uh, civil rights, just one right after another, both of them. They just, they didn't have any problem just stomping all over this guy.
1: So they arrested this undercover agent. Now what?
2: So I don't know if it was a mistake or not, because obviously this FBI agent doesn't want to sit in jail. But once he was arrested, the FBI went in, they got him out of jail. And rumor has it that once this guy was let out of jail, because the FBI got him out of there within a couple hours, somebody from the jail allegedly called Wallace and told him that this guy was let out and something's up. And so Wallace immediately got spooked and he called the FBI and asked if he was under investigation. So even within a, a few hours, Baldock and Wallace knew that something wasn't right with what they just did. Uh, But the dust settled for a while. The FBI rarely moves quickly on things. And so months go by and nothing happens to either one of them.
1: Yeah, because this is another situation where a lot of the people who have complained about Constable Wallace say that he arrests you, he takes your money, but he only turns in part of it and pockets the rest. And because of this, because he got a whiff that maybe something was up, many of his critics say that he turned in all the money that he seized from this undercover agent. So that would have been another criminal act on Constable Wallace's part. So Wally thinks something's up, and five months later, the day finally arrives March 6, 2020. At approximately 6 a.m., the FBI and other law enforcement agencies arrive at Constable Wallace and Baldock's residence.
2: Yeah, so they got arrest warrants. And they're going to go in and they're going to arrest these guys in their house. Take them in.
1: Let's focus on Constable Baldock for a second. So according to the court documents that the FBI filed, they arrived at the scene and using a loudspeaker, they announced their presence and asked Constable Baldock to come out of the house. That didn't happen. So they're asking Constable Baldock to come out of the house. Everyone in the neighborhood hears this. You know, they're being woken up by the FBI, but he doesn't he doesn't obey their orders. So meanwhile, back at Constable Wallace's house, things are going way smoother. The moment the FBI announced themselves, Wallace turned himself in and he didn't resist arrest.
2: Yeah, so Wallace just comes out of the house, he gets arrested, it's a no big deal, it's over with. But with Baldock the FBI has to breach the house. So they send in a SWAT team in the front door and they got agents going in the back door at the same time to go in and get him. And the agents at the, at the back door, they can see inside the house and they think it's Baldock, but they're not sure. They see an individual taking a defensive posture and has a handgun. So they know there's problems right there.
1: John, do you think that the FBI was ready for some sort of conflict with these guys? I would say yes. With most search warrants,
2: they're going to have way more officers and agents there than they're going to be needed. The objective is to get inside the house and get to the individual before they even know what's happening. So there's no kind of confrontation, but they're certainly set up for it. Now, once they saw who they thought was Constable Baldock inside the house with a gun, they know he's not complying. They know he's going to put up a fight. So at that point, it's a completely different situation. You now essentially have a shootout.
1: He knows he's not a burglar at this point. Right. And he's still putting up a fight. So the only other thing I could think of is death by cop. Yeah. That's when somebody points a gun at a law enforcement officer and hopes that the cop fires back, right?
2: I I think that's a very
1: reasonable
2: question and conclusion because Baldock has to know this isn't one or two FBI agents or even law enforcement officers. He knows there's an entire slew of people out there. There is no way he's shooting his way out of this. So to me... He is either going to claim that he's completely ignorant of the situation, which I think is laughable, or at some level, I think that he was wanting to be killed because there's just no way he could have gotten himself out of here. This isn't Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I mean, it's not going to happen. So I think it's pretty reasonable. And it's not clear who fired first, but at this point, shots were fired and Baldock hits an FBI agent with one of his rounds. Wow.
1: So he fires a shot and he strikes an agent. And then what happens?
2: So I, I, we don't know how many rounds were fired based on the court filings, but I would imagine that the agents around that house did some significant shooting at that point. And we know that Constable Baldock was hit at least once. We're not sure how many times, but he was he was shot. And then one, he does an interesting thing at this point, he tries to call Constable Wallace by cell phone. He tries to call him twice. He calls him at 6.09 a.m. and 6.12 a.m., which also seems to make me think that he knew who was outside. He's not calling Wallace because he thinks there's a burglar at his house. The FBI sends in a robot that has a camera in it to look around. Obviously, it's a safe way for them to get in there. And they can see that Baldock still holding a gun, still like looking like he's got some fight in him, which tells you even at this point that he's not backing down. But eventually, he's convinced to come to the front door. According to these court filings, it says that he was bleeding from the chest so that the FBI agents had to render some kind of first aid on him and take him to the hospital prior to, you know, actually arresting arresting him and taking him to jail.
1: So let's hear from defense attorney Greg Usley, who represented many of the citizens complaining about Constable Wallace and Baldock.
3: They didn't know he was an undercover FBI agent and they arrested him, they searched him, they searched a the hotel room. They Basically, they put on a show for the federal government of exactly what 20 other people had said they'd been doing. Baldock is uh, Wally's sidekick and you can see that you can see that in the morning that the FBI go to arrest Wallace and Baldock they sit outside and it's a major ordeal they're on the loudspeaker they're waking up the whole neighborhood and where Wally comes out with his hands up and, and surrenders peacefully Baldock does not he comes out shooting. During the time that they're announcing and knocking, he's making frantic phone calls over and over. To who? To who? His daughter, his son, his wife, a loved one. Who's he making phone calls to when the FBI's beating down his door? He's calling Wally.
1: The FBI, they had a little bit of a fight. It wasn't as smooth as they planned, but they finally arrested these guys. What did they charge them with?
2: So the initial arrest warrants were based off of the FBI sting back in September of 2019. But based on searches that the FBI did of both of the constables houses, they charged both of them with possession with the intent to distribute methamphetamines. And then later, after they did a more thorough search, both of the constables were charged with distributing five grams or more of methamphetamine. So Constable Baldock was also charged with attempted murder of a federal agent and using a gun in the crime of violence. And so he faces a potential life sentence on the gun charge. And interestingly, Constable Wallace, he walked out of jail the same day he was arrested. And Baldock's still being held in jail.
1: So I called Constable Michael Wallace, who is currently out on bond, to get his side of the story. Please speak to Wally.
0: Yes, him.
1: Hey, Wally, my name's Javier Leva. I'm working on a story about your case because I wanted to get your side of the story.
0: Yeah, you can actually call and uh, I've got uh, two attorneys here in Somerset that are on it. Paul Underwood is a detective that works for Robert Norfleet. They'll have to be the one to give you the statement on it.
1: Would you be willing to do an interview for the podcast? I think it would be really good to hear from you.
0: I don't think that I'm allowed to through the federal court system.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I mean, if you want to check with your attorney or even have your attorneys reach out to me... We reached out to his attorney, Robert Norfleet, for comments, but he never did return our call. He told the Commonwealth Journal that the allegations are nothing more than the product of a political witch hunt. My call with Wallace was short. We spoke maybe about four minutes. I was actually really surprised at how calm he was about this whole thing. You know, he's facing some really serious charges here. All right, buddy. All right, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Defense attorney Greg Gooseley has spent the last few years defending people who say they've been the victims of these constables, and he can't imagine, against all the evidence that these constables are facing, how they'll defend themselves in court
3: and say, look, we're ignorant of the law, we thought we were doing good, and we're just good old boys, not meaning no harm, and we're just trying to fight the the drug dealers down here, fighting fire with fire. Hey, look, all that stuff that happened with the FBI agent, that was just a misunderstanding, and I was just trying to do the best I could with the limited knowledge that I have. And all these other people, it's basically the same deal I've tried to do right by them, but oh and by the way, if you do believe anything that they say, please don't because they all have a checkered past and they're all low uh, lowlifes, so please don't believe them. That's basically the defense.
1: We, we hear all this evidence against these guys, and it sounds like a slam dunk case, right? <laughs> I mean, how could a jury not find them guilty? But there's a chance, right? There's a chance that these guys could walk away.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the evidence is pretty conclusive against both Wallace and Baldock. However, when it comes to juries and it comes to the shrewdness of a lawyer, you just don't know what his defense attorneys might be able to pull out, and it's possible that one or both of them could walk away from this.
3: I tell you right now, as he's acquitted at trial, he'll win election. He'll probably run for sheriff.
1: I know. That's what's scary about this whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's a huge possibility, but it would embolden him, you
3: know? Well, sure it is. I mean, that's what they're counting on.
1: I mean, there are some people that, that we've talked to that are really passionate about him.
3: For every person that he you know, halfway decent person that did nothing to deserve what he brought down on her. He was also the guy that the, you know, the prosecutors would call when, when, you know, someone needed to be tuned up, you know, when somebody needed uh, this, that, or the other. They could find him not guilty of civil rights violation and just find him guilty of possession with the intent to distribute uh, on the drug charge. Yeah, and that's sixty months. Mm-hmm. And hell, they found the dope with I think there was guns Scales. in the safe yeah. and the mm-hmm. and the dope was hidden like in a false bottom of the safe. I don't know what kind of defense he's going to have because it's it puts you in a pickle. To it's really you can't stay it stand up or present people to say look i'm a good cop because you'll just get cross-examined about all these other instances i mean he is has the power of a high sheriff and the training of i mean an eagle scout would have more training than this bozo.
1: so john when is the actual trial when does this all go down
2: so they're going to have a joint trial for both Wallace and Baldock. And it's going to be on June 14th, 2021 in London, Kentucky. So that's just like in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then Baldock's going to have a separate trial for his charges of attempted murder and discharge of a firearm during the crime, and that's going to take place on July 19th of 2021.
1: And unfortunately, the the courts don't allow any types of recording, so we won't have audio from the trial. If convicted, Constable Wallace is facing between five and 40 years in prison for the meth charges, plus $5 million fine, and at least four years supervised release. In addition, he's also facing 10 years in prison for the civil rights conspiracy charge and a $250,000 fine and up to three years supervised release. And even though he's currently not acting as constable, both Constable Wallace and Baldock are still currently constables under law.
2: That's crazy. Yeah. Makes sense, I guess.
1: But yeah. So, John, what happens to all these people who have been arrested by these constables? Well, unfortunately, a
2: lot of people pled guilty right off the bat with the rocket docket. They had a lot of incentive to not fight these charges. And so those people, they're just stuck with the charges that they got and the convictions on their record. However, the people who decided to fight, a lot of their charges just got dropped, including David Jones. He was the one who was woken up in the middle of the night by the constables at gunpoint and former Marine and accountant Tim Jones, who decided to fight back in this case and brought the FBI in, his charges were dropped as well. After you got out of jail, how this has affected your
0: life, your ability to get a job where you're living, all lost, those kinds of things. I lost I lost my apartment. I lost the, the, my home where I was living. I ended up, uh, I, I stayed with my sister for a little while, but she's almost 80. Her husband's almost 90. And just, they're too old to have a visitor. <laughs> yeah. think, well, so I ended up I had to come up to the homeless shelter up here in Lexington. And you just stayed there for a while? Yeah, I stayed until the, the VA got me into a uh got me into some section eight housing. What was your I mind mean, mindset when you were in the homeless shelter? What were you thinking? Uh, pretty 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 bad. I mean pretty bad. It was I mean devastating. I never had never had a lot of money, but I always had some. <laughs> and when he took my vehicles, my paid for my vehicles paid for, work and, and that money was with basically my life savings, and ruined my reputation as an accountant. As an accountant at Somerset, I was not going to get a job. But he made sure that my picture and, and this article was in the paper twice. He called Janie Slavin at the Commonwealth Journal. That's his contact up there, and he would call her the mornings of the bus so it'd be in the paper. I was actually turned down for a job as a a, tr- a construction flagger because of that arrest. It's horrible, even even not convicted. $10 an hour job. It takes three years to get expunged. Well, you don't get to be 60 years old and get messy or never been in trouble at all. He got a guy here that didn't have a record. That's the only thing that saved my ass. People believe me.
1: So John, this is the last episode for season two, but it's not over yet, right?
2: After the completion of the trials for Constables Michael Wallace and Gary Baldock, we'll do a follow-up bonus episode. Also, be on the lookout for upcoming information on the release of season
1: three of Criminal Conduct. For updates on this case or season one, follow us on social media at criminalcon on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.
2: And please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. A special thanks to our executive producer, AdvertiseCast, and Ruby Rose Fox for allowing us to use her song, Bury the Body, during our intro. Her music is available
1: anywhere you can purchase music. Also, check out our other podcasts, Twisted and Pretend. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts.
0: the bed.